Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, everyone. I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-hosts and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 82 of the show, and it is the very last Sorta Awesome of 2016. I have to tell you, I'm a little bit giddy as we start this episode because it's a combination of two of my very favorite things. I absolutely love end of the year favorite lists, and I absolutely love getting all three of my smart, hilarious, and thoughtful co-hosts together for a group show. That's right, today I'm joined by Kelly, Laura, and Rebecca, and we're going to spend an hour talking about our favorites in listening, reading, watching, and dining in 2016. We'll also share some reflections on how 2016 played out in the personal growth and development department for each of us. And we'll get to all of that in a minute. But first, we're going to start the show the way we always do, sort of. As you awesomes all know, we start each episode with an awesome of the week. But we recently had a listener request for each of us to reflect back on our awesomes of the week which ones were still awesome for us, and if any of them turned out to be not so awesome. And what better time to do that than our year-end group show. So, Kelly, let's start with you. Which Awesome of the Week from 2016 has held up and stood the test of time? That is a really good way to put it, because I would say a lot of my awesomes of the week, when I went back and looked at them, are truly things that I employ weekly, if not daily. You know, I mean, I had talked about exercising and doing something that you like. That has become important to me. There's a lot of recipes that I talked about that are truly my favorite. So like lasagna soup, that's back in the rotation, garlicky green beans, things that I talked about. But I would say the one that will stick with me from now until I probably die was learning how to cook a spaghetti squash. Oh, how great. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that a funny one in some ways? But it is one of those things that I didn't ever, I didn't A, really have a ton of interest in before. It's not like I've been staring at spaghetti squash in my grocery <laughs> store and going, gosh, they're just so interesting to me, but I don't know. Like, I just hadn't even thought about it. But I I did something that I've talked about on the show a little bit back in the spring and through some of the summer where I was trying to just really eat low carb. And so that's what gave me the push. And then I discovered that I actually really like spaghetti squash. Like I almost prefer, well, I want to say I prefer it over pasta. Pasta is pretty good. It does sing to me. But I do really like spaghetti squash with spaghetti and meatballs. And I will go through the trouble to make it. And then I feel like I've got that gold star for cooking. So that has been my thing and learning to cook it by slicing it, not just straight down the middle, but into rings so that you get those longer noodles that we talked about was just one of those things that I learned about right at the beginning that made it so much easier and also salting it. So that way it's not going to be mushy. It's just really good. 
That's a great one. That's a great one. It's pretty revolutionary in the in the cooking realm. So yeah, I'm so for glad me anyway. that was <laughs> so awesome for your year. Rebecca, 2016 has been a big year for you. Awesome of the week wise. What has stood the test of time? Well, I'm breaking the rules here just a little bit because my favorite awesome of the week is also one that I'm struggling with, which Uh-oh. maybe doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but it's just the way it turned out. In episode 49, I talked about the email organizational tool called Sorted. That's, That's S-O-R-T-D, right. Sorted, but without the E in it. And it basically... It's a way to transform your email inbox into different categories of to-do lists. So I have one for all of my social media, online, podcasts, blog work. I have one for personal to-do things. And I really feel like this is my best find for the whole year. However, soon after I recommended that on episode 49, I got like a glitch in their system and could not access Sorted for like weeks and weeks. It was probably a good two months until I was able to get back into the system. And I think some other people were having some problems too. So I I don't know what the trouble was exactly, but ever since then though, I've struggled to keep up with it, which I think might be a fault of my personality more than the program. (laughs) But I have faith that this is the solution to my email inbox clutter and chaos. I just need to be more dedicated with it. Got it. That totally makes sense. Uh, email and and taming the inbox is a perpetual nightmare for me. So I totally get the struggle there. So I hope that 2017 is a is a new we can turn over a new leaf together. Maybe we'll right, see exactly. All right, Laura. How about you? Awesome of the week that has stood up for you as well throughout the year. Well, the thing that I keep talking about that I've been talking about on the show in the Hangout group, a hundred ways to everyone I know, is the Amazon Echo. Yes. I still love it. I talked about that in episode 66. That was our group show back in August. And I love it. It was my favorite holiday gift of the year. I told everyone to buy it. And apparently the whole world agreed because it's now in back order to like into 2017. But I still love that. The other thing that I ended up really loving almost more than I thought I did when I talked about it (laughs) was my Apple Watch. Oh, that's right. Yes. Which I ended up talking about last January, episode 42. I'd gotten it as a Christmas gift from Jeff, my husband. And I sort of was like, it's okay. It's kind of like a crazy luxury item for the way that I use it. And I sort of said that for months and months and months. And then... I went without it for a couple of weeks and I was like, oh no, oh no, wait, I actually love it. (laughs) (laughs) And you actually really need it. Yeah, I was like, where did it go? Um, It still is a luxury item. The price point is astronomical for like what you're using it for. But to me, um, the function of it keeps me away from my phone And that is just a big deal for me. So to me, it is worth kind of that luxury price you're paying to just not be on my phone all the time. You can set it so that um, you choose what comes through on your watch. So I only have texts, phone calls, and Voxer messages, because I care a lot about Voxer, to come through. So any other notification, email, social media, 
anything else does not come through on my watch, which is how I want it because I just want the most important things. And I can just not be checking my phone all the time because I, I will check my phone for one thing and then fall into the black hole of 20 minutes. What's <laughs> of course, happening? Yes. I don't even know what I did. Knowing that the important things are going to come through on my wrist means I just leave my phone and I don't, I won't pick up my phone for a couple of hours. I love it. Which is a just bonus for me. And I feel like I was a little bit lukewarm when I talked about it on episode 42. And I am saying now, I actually really endorse it, the Apple Watch. It's been super awesome for you, sounds like. It's been super awesome, even though I, d- I kind of didn't want it to be so. It has been. <laughs> that totally makes sense. I get it. Well, you guys, I had a very long list of awesomes of the week to choose from. <laughs> In 2016, I recorded 41 episodes that had awesomes of the week. And so I was skimming back through them and thinking, oh my gosh, this is so hard. There were really so many awesome things in 2016. Um, Some of my very favorite things are actually going to turn up later in this episode, especially some of the podcasts and music that I've talked about on the show. So there were some awesomes that that, uh, awesomes of the year that were kind of honorable mentions. I'll talk about those later. But I have to say, my very favorite and most used awesome of the week from this whole year has been that modern kiwi black maxi dress that i talked about way back in august on episode 67 um i bought it to wear to a party that lara hosted in our hometown you guys i have worn that dress i'm not exaggerating multiple times a week since then since last august it is so easy to dress up or down I have worn it so much that Kyle and I were talking about something wardrobe related earlier this week, and he even called that dress my signature dress. (laughs) That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just funny because he's not really one to really notice what I wear a lot. But he's like, you know, that black dress that you wear all the time. (laughs) Wasn't it a really good price point too? It's $40 on Amazon. That's what I was going to say. $40 is amazing. That thing also saved my life when I was traveling back and forth from Lebanon. I wore it on the flight over and on the flight home. It was as comfortable as flying in pajamas for real, but it looked nice. I mean, I know not everybody feels big feelings about dressing up for flying, and that's fine, but it was so comfortable, but it didn't look like I was actually in my pajamas. So um, I just, I've loved it. It's one of my very favorite things from the whole year. Even though it's winter, we have, we're having kind of some mild weather right now. I actually even wore it around town to run errands in yesterday in December. So, so far that I'd have to say that is, has been my awesome for 2016. So, well, I know each of us have prepared a list of our very favorites from 2016 to share with you all, but I thought it would be great if we could start out with just some reflection personally on how each of us have grown and changed what we have learned on a personal level in the past 12 months. We did this last year at the end of the year on our group show. I thought it would be great to check in again about personal growth. Kelly, let's start with you. What what are some of the things that you've just noticed in your life, areas that you've grown, changes that you've made? 2016, what has it brought to you personally? Well, I don't know if any of the awesomes would relate to this. I'm going to suspect they would, but 2016 was a bit of a, can I say cluster? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could say cluster. I mean, really. 
I do feel like this year for many of us has just really been a big fat mess. The dumpster fire of 2016, you know? Mm. And since I'm the weather geek, permit me a weather analogy. (laughs) This year, there have been earthquakes in my life. You know, some were small, just like a settling of things, but some were monstrous. They really shook my foundation and left me scrambling. You know, more than once I found myself in the middle of rubble. I didn't even recognize my own life anymore. You know, like I thought the ground I was standing on was stable until it started to heave and buckle and I got thrown to my knees. But that energy, as destructive as it was, also allowed me to grow in ways I probably wouldn't have without being forced to rebuild. So let me give you a few examples. I've learned to face conflict without freaking out. That was not something I could do very well before. I've really made peace with a faith that's less certain, but more joyful. And now more than ever, I really know who I am and there's strength in that. And I'm happy to be me. Like I feel strong on my own two feet and capable, even in the midst of a landscape that's unfamiliar and always changing. You know, I don't want to get too (laughs) woo-woo, but there's a beauty, I think, in reaching the middle part of my life your life possibly as well, awesomes, and accepting it, accepting the brokenness, accepting the change, accepting the right here, right now miracle of living. You know, like today, the sun came up. What grace. And tonight I'll go to bed, no matter what happens during the day, and I will go to bed loved and forgiven and wake up to a new beginning and fresh grace. My phrase of 2016, if you remember last year's show, was now hear this. And the here was H-E-R-E. And while it proved to be a guiding force for so much of what I've endured the last 12 months, I also feel like I am just scraping the surface of what that phrase has to teach me. So I'm actually going to keep it for 2017 and lean in even more to like the moment, to love, to grace, to this sort of awesome, right? And every day, I feel like learning how to really be present to myself, to my God, to my family, um, to all the things that are happening in life, the brutal things, as Glennon Melton would say, that will help me to really grow in gratitude and in thankfulness. And as much of this year has been hard and kind of a mess at times, I'm also really deeply grateful for it because it really has made me who I am and has forced me to grow in ways that I can now look back and say, hey, those things are for the better. I like that a lot. Rebecca, you and I started out 2016 together on Sort of Awesome talking about New Year's thoughts and resolutions and words for the year and all of those things. So I would love to hear how 2016 has wrapped up for you in the realm of personal growth. Well, that episode for you and I together was kind of stressful for me. (laughs) And I don't know how much of that I had admitted to you at the time or what you picked up on. But that was we recorded that less than a month out from me and you know my husband and I losing a child due to miscarriage. And so when I was thinking about the whole next year, I kind of wanted to just like uh, cover my head with a pillow and just like, uh, let's just be done with it. But I know, Megan, that it's like your most favorite time of year and you just love it so much. So I was like, okay, well, let's push forward and let's push through. And so I ended up picking the word family because at that moment I was like, well, what else in the world could I possibly focus on? And I knew that this 
upcoming year, um, 2016, was going to be a big deal for me and my family, trying to find contentment in my family size, my husband and I needing to decide, are we going to um, try for another pregnancy or will we not? And that just family was just the key and the focus. And it really, truly has been. And we have been very blessed with another pregnancy. Um, as we record this, I am 36 weeks pregnant today. 36 weeks. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can't believe it. It is crazy. So when this um, airs, the baby could be coming like at any moment. <laughs> um, and so it really has been this huge focus on family, um, you know, trying to find contentment with, with the family that we have and then also grieving the family that could have been and looking ahead with joy at the family that is yet to come. And family ended up being, you know, a really, really good word for us, for my family this year. And I think looking ahead to 2017, I can see this. I can see this being a year of uh, kind of like, you know, just kind of holding on tight, gritting your teeth survival mode as we move <laughs> from two children to three. But I don't want to feel that way all the time. I know sure. that there's going to be some of that. Like there just is. And I know that there's going to be moments where I'm like sobbing, like I can't believe I can't ever sleep again for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, like that's going to happen to me. But the word that I think that I, I think would really fit for 2017 is the word embrace. Oh, that's a good I, one. I do want to embrace the the pleasant moments, try to let go of the ones that are the hardest and the ones that, you know, leave me crying in a locked bathroom. <laughs> but I want to embrace this this time when, especially with a new baby and how quickly they change from day one till their first birthday, I, I really do want to try to enjoy as much of it as I can. <laughs> that sounds like such a cliche, oh my word. But that that's the word that I'm going to pick for 2017 is embrace. That is a beautiful word to take forward into 2017. There's so much about that that speaks to the new baby phase. So I hope that that all works out well. I can't wait to hear how it plays out in your life at the end of next year. Laura, how about you, personal growth and reflection in 2016? In 2016, I think I finally grew up. That's that's huge. I mean, I've been an adult for nearly two decades. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've even been a functioning adult. In fact, I have children right. and a mortgage and, you know, I, I do my life really well. But I... I think some part of me always kind of had in the back of my mind, like, um, where are the real adults? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. I can yes. relate to that so much. <laughs> uh huh. Me too. Like, I remember when I first had my daughter, I was like, when is this, the person going to come and take care of this child? <laughs> <laughs> like, I always sort of thought that eventually, like, I never really, I guess, felt, um, like the person who was in charge in the room necessarily, you know, and, and in 2016, um, I, I just think I grew up, I left behind some really important childhood ideas about health, about friendship, about America. Uh, I really realized that I had been living in some, with some naivete, like about the world 
And I feel like my eyes were opened quite a bit in 2016. A lot of that, of course, has to do with America's election cycle. That was a big thing. But that was there's also been a culmination of, you know, personal things that have happened, things I've talked about on the show, friendships that have died or, um, you know, just just general personal growth. And it all came together in these last 12 months until I was like, oh, no, this is this is my one life and I'm actually in charge of it. There isn't a mm. principal that's going to call me in for detention. Right. You yeah. know, I'm not going to get grounded f- by my parents for um, disagreeing with them. Um, and so I just, I made like a big leap, maybe even a leap I didn't want to take, but there was a big <laughs> leap for me in 2016. And I, I feel like I finally became mm-hmm. an actual adult. I kind of joke that I also sort of became a Californian after living here for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I have lived in California for 15 years, but I've always been like, I'm not really from here. <laughs> right. Um, which I'm not. You know, I grew up in Oklahoma. I'm very proud of that. I love Oklahoma. But this year, I started to be like, oh, no, no, no. The scales have tipped, and I am a Californian. Yes. Yeah. And that was a big identity shift that also same thing has been coming for a long time, but I've sort of resisted it. And now I'm like, nope, nope. I have never been more proud to be a Californian than I am in 2016. And that's kind of where I landed. My phrase of the year um, was follow through. And when I chose that, I was in a place of feeling really overwhelmed with disorganization in my Um, communication. My email inbox was a mess. I get a million texts that I never respond to. Like I was really feeling overwhelmed at the end of last year by just all the communication. There's so many inboxes in life. Yes. And I really wanted to like wrangle that and be more responsive and responsible and and that kind of thing. Okay. That didn't change at all. I'll tell you that did not change at all. Oh, no. We are ending 2016 just as overwhelmed with the inbox situation as I was exactly a year ago. But I will say, it's kind of funny what these words of the year, phrases of the year sort of do to your insides. Mm. I'm going to get woo-woo, Kelly. Now it's going to be me. I chose follow through. And though it didn't manifest in the way I thought I wanted it to, what did end up happening in this year is I followed through in some deeper ways on on things I have never done before. Um, Pilates, which I've talked about um, on an earlier show, I'm not an exercise person. I have never stuck to any sort of exercise thing in my whole life. And I truly showed up and followed through on that for the whole year. In August, Megan and I launched Smartest Person in the Room, which I didn't wasn't even a seed of an idea when I chose the phrase follow through. But as I started kind of wanting a show like this. And as it started to kind of like become what it was, the follow through there was that we pushed through and actually launched it. Right. Like I actually texted Megan all summer to be like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Is this bad timing? Is this a stupid idea? Maybe we should table this. Like I got all kinds of crazy about launching that show. And then we were just like, we did it. Like we followed through. So when I'm looking back at that phrase, on the one hand, it's a big fat fail. <laughs> but in the other hand, in like a deeper way, I feel like, oh no, like I did show up in my life this year. I really did. So that counts. Yes. I'm calling it a draw. 
Well, I, I would say I feel like the scales are more positive than just a draw, that you get to you get to own your own reflection on the year. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I love that. Hey, do you have a thing, that a guiding word or phrase for next year? Or No, you know what? I'm purposefully not choosing a word or phrase for next year. I've done it for the last, I guess, five years. I, I started with start where you are. The next year I did set the tone. The next year I did do the work. The next year I did only what matters. All of these things have been really, really good journey for me. And then this last one, of course, follow through. So I feel like I have completed this cycle. Oh, that's good. I like it. Um, And I'm just going to sort of try to live these things out in 2017 versus choosing a specific thing. It's a deliberate not choosing. That makes a lot of sense. I love any time we can bring something to closure. So that's that's really speaking to me. Well, my word for 2016 was push. And that's all wrapped up as I think about personal growth. Reflecting on that from this past year, everything went back to that word push. I can see how it showed up in my life professionally, certainly, as Laura was just talking about us putting together smartest person in the room, getting it launched, the weekly work of that, um, getting to do something totally behind the scenes. Very awesome. I didn't know how much I was going to love the producing aspect of working on a podcast until we launched that. So that's been really big. Also, podcast-wise, pushing myself to learn how to do the narrative coverage of my trip to Lebanon. Mm. I had no idea how to do any of that. And I just was like, I'm just going to figure it out. I think more than any year of my life, what push actually ended up being was just like, I'm just going to figure it out. And it came up again and again and again in my life, definitely professionally. Personally, it did as well. Uh, Laura, you mentioned Pilates for me. We talked about on that that episode a few weeks ago about how much doing this physical work has changed us. For me, strength training, like actually just getting out there and just trying it and figuring it out and, and going with it has certainly been a huge area of push for me. Even the fact that I said yes to going to Lebanon was a big moment of push for me because I do have a ton of travel anxiety. It was leaving my family. It was going to the Middle East. It was just a variety of things. So saying yes to that was just a huge, huge area. So, and there's a whole bunch of other things that I could bring up, but I have just, everything has been tethered to that word. My whole year, 2016, has been anchored in the word push. So for the first time really in, a, in several years, I'm looking at that word and feeling like I really, like it showed up in my life. I pursued it, it pursued me. And I feel like it was kind of a victory year for word of the year. So for 2017, my word just came to me. I thought it was going to be something else. But when this word came to me, I knew it was right for 2017. And that's the word open. I feel like I pushed and pushed and pushed in a lot of areas in my life. And it feels right for 2017 to be not necessarily more passive, but just more like receptive, if that makes sense. And so the word for me is open. We'll see how that comes up in personal and professional pursuits in 2017. So this was so good, you guys. I could talk about this stuff forever. But another thing that I always love to hear about 
are people's actual favorites from pop culture categories from the previous year. I can remember even as a little girl getting copies of like People Magazine and and other uh, publications like that and just reading through all of the favorites from the year. I love this time of year. So we're going to talk about some of our favorites in listening, reading, watching, and in dining. And so Kelly, let's kick off the category of listening. What were your, some of your favorite listens from 2016? Well, when I looked back on it, I thought I have become something that I never thought I would. And it is a constant NPR listener. <laughs> like I listened to NPR before, but this year I just went all the way in. I am one step away from driving a Volvo and drinking Chardonnay. Like, <laughs> But not at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, not at the same time. But like, you know, the classic kind of NPR listener, I'm like, I am that person now. I'm always like, I heard the other day on NPR. Did you hear on All Things Considered? <laughs> like people who call me, they're like, did you just hear that story? I'm like, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> so that's really what's on. But if I'm not listening to news, what I've been listening to this year, for probably a solid six months, I listened to one playlist on Spotify. And I have mentioned it before on the podcast. It's called Lighten Up, Man. And it's all of this sort of feel-good, positive music that's just really um, – it's got a casual, fun vibe. It's perfect for summer. And that's really when I started to get into it was like, you know, May. It felt right to be outside. I listened to it next to the pool. And you know how Spotify playlists work, at least for those of us who don't have actual Spotify, you know, memberships. You just play the songs. You never know what you're going to get. But I listened to it so much that all of my kids even know all of the songs. <laughs> On this playlist. That's great. You know, like they knew what song was coming. Like as soon as it started, they knew where we were going. Um, It was just kind of the soundtrack of our summer, which is kind of a fun thing when I look back on it. You know, sometimes I remember as a teenager, you know, you would get that tape or that CD and you would just listen to it constantly over and over and over. And that became the soundtrack of that year. So the Lighten Up Man playlist on Spotify was that for me. The other thing that I've listened to a lot and this is kind of the opposite of that. This is thought-provoking music. Is Christian singer-songwriter Sarah Groves. Mm-hmm. She released an album this last year called Floodplain. And what I ended up doing was I bought it and then put it in my car on the hard drive there. Because I know that her music and the, that type of lyric just really deserves to be listened to, not backdrop music mm-hmm. of while I'm cooking or, or helping with homework, that sort of thing. So I, because it's in my car and just her style, my kids even really like it now. So if, if they're like, we want to settle down, we want to listen to some calm music, they're like, put on Sarah Groves, mom. So I've listened to these words and they're so good and meaningful. You know, they really feed your soul. It's like listening to poetry. Mm-hmm. Really, that's the kind of writer she is. And she's so real. Like this, the, the idea of floodplain, this whole um, collection of songs is just about what it's like when you're parenting in the middle of life and she has struggled with depression. And how do you find the joy? How do you continue on when life seems broken? Um, so it's just a really, they're always infused with hope, um, even though they're also not eyes closed to the reality of our world. So those have been so important to me, especially in the last six months as I've just listened to those over and over on repeat. I love it. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Rebecca, mm-hmm. how about you in the listening category? This year, I have been obsessed, as I have been for many years, with podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I have two different kinds of podcasts that I obsess over the most. The first would be 
totally catering to my shallow, obsessive side where I listen to reality TV recaps on podcasts. I just have to interrupt you to say, I love that we live in a world where you can indulge your love for reality TV so hardcore that you can listen to podcast discussions about it. I love it. And and listen to them, I do, for sure. There's one podcast for Big Brother. I listen to, there's like three or four new episodes every week just for Big Brother. And then I am obsessed with all things the Bachelor and the Bachelorette, and mm-hmm. I don't listen to just one podcast about them. I listen to two podcasts about those shows. So I, over the summer, I am deep, deep, deep <laughs> into my ever so shallow <laughs> reality TV loving self. Okay, so the show that I listen to for Big Brother is Rob Has a Podcast. And the shows that I listen to for The Bachelor is The Bachelor on AfterBuzz TV and Here to Make Friends. Oh, that's right. Yes. I (laughs) I remember you mentioning that before. Yes, I have big feelings on both of those shows. But that is, those are my shallow obsessions. But the one podcast that I really wanted to mention that, has been just so thought-provoking this year is Startup, which is a podcast put out by Gimlet Media. And Startup was their very first original podcast. They started season four this year. And starting in episode four of season four, they are following the American Apparel founder, Dove Charney. And you guys, that sounds like who cares, but I can't tell you how fascinating it is. It's I can't, I didn't know you were listening. We could have been talking about this the whole time. I am obsessed with it, Rebecca. Every single week when a new episode drops, I I listen immediately and I'm like, this guy is a maniac and I am so compelled by his story. He's crazy, isn't he? So good. Like, I think he's like literally a sociopath, but yeah. (laughs) So the backstory (laughs) is, is that this one guy, Dove, started this American apparel brand, which of course was huge in the day. And then he ended up getting fired from his company, largely in part because of his inappropriate relations with like tons of his employees. So they're following him and they're looking back and reflecting on his time at American Apparel as well as following his new journey to starting a company all over again and trying to rebuild his name and rebuild this obsession that he has in the fashion industry. And it really is just a fascinating listen. It completely is. You and I are going to have to get together on Boxer and talk about some of the details because every single week when I finish listening, I'm like, I need to talk about this with someone, but I didn't know anybody else was listening to this season. It's completely compelling. So love it. All right, Laura, listening, what has been in your earbuds and on your speaker and all of that stuff in 2016? Well, as I've said before on the show, I'm not a huge, huge music person, But every other person in my family is obsessed with music. And in the car, I won't play all of the things that they want me to play. But what I will do is play like um, the Serious Hits 1 channel. So for the first time in a long time, I feel like I'm like up to date on what the pop hits are in America. (laughs) Yes, me too. I totally am right there with you on it. 
Like just a few years ago, I would be at a restaurant or something and a song would come on and I'd be like, hey, this is kind of a good song. What's this? And everyone's like, um. (laughs) One Direction. Have you heard of them? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) truly. That's where I was. And now I feel like I can do all of the songs, every lyric. I can talk about all the teeny boppers. Like my kids know them. I like the um, Sirius Radio, their hits one channel because it's as family friendly as those songs can get. There's not a lot of swear words. It's, you know, they, it's, it's yeah. made for our car. So yeah. um, I know all those songs. So that has been in my ears a lot more than I would have chosen my own personal self. <laughs> um, I also still listen to a lot of, a, a lot of podcasts. I love podcasts. I will say that this year, maybe I haven't added as many new podcasts as I should have. I've kept up with some of my faves, or maybe I've binge listened to some, you know, of the major ones that kind of everybody knows. And I, I feel like in 2017, I need to make more of an effort to seek out new voices and, and people who are doing some different things. One of the shows that I rarely miss, though, and I realize I haven't much talked about it here on Sorta Awesome, is uh, Jess Lively's show, The Lively Show. Oh, yes, definitely. Her tagline is Life with Intention. And I really, really like what she's doing and how she's doing it. Um, She has a large following, really, really great listenership. And she's just sort of talking about life with intention in all kinds of different angles. She has guests. Sometimes she'll do a whole episode of just her talking about what she's doing lately um, in this area. And maybe that sounds boring or maybe that sounds like narcissistic or something, but it's not. It's really instructional to hear how someone else is trying to live their most authentic life. And she tries out different things and sometimes things don't work or sometimes they do. You know, she'll try the trendy things. She'll try, you know, she'll go back and read books from the 70s. Like whatever. She tries all kinds of things. I just like the way her brain works and how she presents it to her audience. I've been listening to her for several years now. So that's why I I can't believe I, I haven't mentioned it here. She went through a divorce this year. And in that, um, she, it was not an ugly divorce or anything, but she decided to obviously, as you do, rearrange a lot of parts of her life. She has no children and, and no reason to not do exactly what she wanted to do. So she like sold all of her belongings and went to Europe and she has been doing her podcast from Europe and different parts of the U.S. as she travels and kind of tries to, if you will, find herself, but it's really interesting and thoughtful listening. It's very professionally done. Um, it's not like it's not like a person rambling about their heart or whatever. Like it's very thoughtful and 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 scripted, but in a good way. Like she's put a lot of effort into what she is learning and and she's a real teacher, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. and she's teaching it by learning it first herself. You know what I mean? I just I I really like her show. It might get st- a little bit too woo-woo for some people. That's why I connect to the way her brain works because she's very practical and woo-woo, which I am too. So I like, that's that's the one of the big things I've been listening to and, and haven't ever talked about yet. It's a great one. That is definitely always, she always delivers some great listening. So, well, listening for me, you all know that there's going to be podcasts and music to talk about here. Podcast wise, oh my gosh, so many great shows came out this year. I have to say, Favorite listen of 2016 
is Babysitter's Club Club. I talked about this as my Awesome of the Week back on episode 68, which was Awesomes of Our Lives with Kelly. If you pointed a gun at my podcast subscription list, which why would you do that? Why would anyone do that? (laughs) And you said all of these shows have to go except for one. I would save the life of Babysitter's Club Club, even over my own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It is so funny and just so created for someone like me who likes to overlay like serious academic theory on top of goofy pop culture stuff. Um, the hosts, Jack Shepard and Tanner Greenring, are two of my favorite people that I've never met. And if you're going to go and listen based on this recommendation, two things you have to know, serious adult language, serious adult language is happening there. Also, you absolutely must start at the beginning. This is the first podcast I've ever listened to that has layers upon layers of private jokes with their audience. And it starts at the beginning. I never thought I would be into a show that had that many private jokes. But now that I've started from the beginning with a show, I like totally get why people love that stuff. So Babysitter's Club Club, favorite listen of 2016. Music-wise, back on episode 144 of the podcast, which the podcast is a perennial favorite for all of us. It was one of my favorite listens of 2015 from our year-end group show. Um, they did an interview with Megan Beam and Aaron Hicks Moon. And on that episode, Aaron Hicks Moon made a statement that I was like, this is the truth of my life. She said, I don't care about anything as much as I care about Hamilton. <laughs> and that is the story of 2016 for me. All roads lead to the musical Hamilton. Tish Oxenreiter and I did a whole full hour about Hamilton earlier this year on Extra Awesome. I could still talk about it for hours. But Hamilton's sort of not technically a 2016 thing. It didn't debut in, in this year. But the Hamilton mixtape did. It just came out this month, December of 2016. I love it so so much. If you're not familiar with the Hamilton mixtape, it is a collection of covers from the original score, reworkings from the original score, and then other pieces that had been cut from the original. I thought it was actually just going to be covers, but it's so much more than that. Um, I think that if you really want to be able to understand Lin-Manuel Miranda's vision for Hamilton, what he was thinking as he wrote it, what the true message of the of the whole musical is, the mixtape brings so much enlightenment to that, so many new layers that I would never have been able to access otherwise. So music-wise, there was a lot of great music in 2016, but the Hamilton mixtape is at the top of my favorites list. So other favorites we wanted to talk about today, reading. Kelly, you've mentioned a couple of books throughout the year. I would love to hear what was favorites in reading for you this year. I have mentioned a couple of favorites. And you know, this was a year that I read a lot. I read a lot, you guys. I can't believe that I found the time in my day. I think I just stopped reading online so much. I need an Apple Watch to like keep me <laughs> off of my phone and in the black hole of the internet. So when I put the internet down and pick up a book, I would say one book that is just going to stand out for me because it was such a fun read and yet so instructional is The Year of Living Danishly by Helen Russell. Aha! Not a new book, so many awesomes may have already read it, but... It certainly fuels that Huga obsession that we have right now. And really, I have kind of just grown increasingly interested in kind of the Scandinavian way of life. 
I live in Minnesota, so there's a lot of Scandinavian influence. So I think that part of it is just that personal interest of, hey, you know, these things actually are here. They're part of our culture too. And now I'm able to see them for where they started and where we, you know, got this sort of a value. But the Year of Living Danishly is such a fun read, you guys. If you don't know what it is, Helen Russell is a Brit who moves to Denmark with her husband. He's going to work at Lego. And originally, it's just kind of this one year, let's just see what happens. She was interested in maybe doing some writing about it, which of course became this book, to say, how would my life change if I truly adopted Danish values? And so it's her story of that. So she talks about Hugo. She talks about, you know, sort of the socialism and how that works in that culture. She's absolutely hysterical. Like there were several times I would be reading it next to my husband as he's sleeping in bed. And I'm like snort cry laughing, trying not to like wake him up because she's so funny. So it was just one of those reads that is a delightful thing. You didn't have to think too hard, but yet things are always stuck in the back of your head about, huh, that was an interesting concept. So I love a book that both makes me laugh and makes me think. And for sure, Year of Living Danishly did that. I have to give some honorable mentions um, to a book called The Sin of Certainty. Mm. It's um, by a man named Peter Enns. just came out this year. The subtitle is Why God Desires Our Trust More Than Our Correct Beliefs. Ah. So it's a Christian book, um, but it was exactly what I needed to read this year. Kind of follows up on a book that I mentioned last year called Unapologetic by Francis Buford. Um, so this is that idea of... I think it's actually very pivotal in Western culture right now, um, this idea of being certain and knowing facts, but yet how do we um, bridge facts to actually have grace? And certainly in my faith journey, this has become one of those really big things of, you know, not just worrying so much about do we have the correct beliefs, but actually living the values that we say are important, not just making sure we have the boxes checked. So I think going with that, the other thing, this is just a blanket read in some ways, but that has become very important to me this year is poetry. Ah, that's inspiring. I have never read a ton of poetry. So I've started to check out more books. But the one poet that I read probably almost every day because he's online is a man named John Blaze. Yes. His wife, Meredith, is actually an awesome. Um, he is a poet who seems to be prolific. I do not know how the man writes so many like just jaw-dropping words. Um, but he just writes little snippets of his life, whether it's on his Facebook page or on Instagram. Where I am right now in my life, poetry seems to be like the food that I need. You know, something that isn't maybe quite so literal, even though I loved the other two books that I mentioned, they were, you know, much more kind of practical and literal, but something that is just mysterious and answers some of those things in, somehow seems to calm my need to say, how can I make sense of this and say, sometimes you just don't make sense of it. You just let it be is really good for me. So that's what I've been reading this year. I'm hoping to do even more reading of poetry in 2017. I definitely want to read more poetry in the coming year as well. So I'm so glad to hear you say that. Laura, you just shared a ton of favorites with us in episode 80 from your reading in 2016. Is there anything else that you wanted to give a little signal boost to any other books that you didn't get a chance to talk about? I've used so many words lately talking about my favorite books of the year, both on that episode with Jessica Turner. And then I also sent out my secret posts with my very favorite books of the year. And there was many, many words in that. So I'll keep it short here. But two things I really wanted to mention, neither of which came out in 2016, but I read them in 2016. The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. 
is um, an older book. It's sort of in the same vein as Orwell's 1984, in that it's a little bit of a cautionary tale, if you will. It's very, it's often listed as an important piece of feminist literature. I read it in November and was pretty blown away by it. Whether or not you consider yourself a feminist by any means or or what any of your belief systems are, political or religious, I really encourage the women in my life to read The Handmaid's Tale. I really, really think that women should read this one. It's not very long. Um, It is dark, but not uh, gory or anything like that. It's just a dark theme. The other book I want to mention is a nonfiction book called 10% Happier by Dan Harris. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. He's a big network news anchor, and he had a panic attack on air a few years ago, and it led him to examine his life of anxiety. He was really, really struggling, almost to the point he didn't even know how badly he was struggling, which I identified with. Um, So he writes a lot about adult-onset anxiety, which is kind of not my story, but it's really, really relatable it's a short book, and then he talks about the different steps that he took to um, get 10% happier, if you will. And I would argue at the end, I, I think he seems a lot more than 10% happier. But the kind of way he frames it in like, you're not going to get all better. No one's going to be completely healed in their life of all the things. Like, painful things happen. You know, you get older and you your body may react to it in different ways, et cetera, et cetera. So let's just aim for 10% happier. And I just thought it was great. And, and again, I haven't talked about that yet either, but those are my two recommendations for reading that I haven't spoken about. The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood and 10% Happier by Dan Harris. I like it. I like it. Those are great. Rebecca, how about you reading-wise this year? In the past, I have read fiction that you might describe as kind of heavy. I wouldn't say dark. Like, I think Laura has claimed that she likes things that are really dark. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do tend to like a story that's more dramatic and something that features broken people, you know, gritty storylines. However, in the past few years, I've kind of strayed away from that. I feel like I've just wanted something more lighthearted. And this year in particular, I decided that I wanted to try some new authors that, you know, everybody's talking about, but I have no clue who they are. I remember having a Voxer conversation with Laura one time, and she's like, well, yeah, but I mean, everybody knows who Rainbow Rowell is. And I was like, um, I don't know who that is. (laughs) And I'm like the last person on earth to not know. (laughs) So I tried some more lighthearted fiction this year. And the book that probably ended up being my favorite in that category is The Royal We by Heather Cooks and Jessica Morgan. Yes. Excellent. Now, this book is highly popular, and I know that there's lots of people who I'm sure have read it, and I really enjoyed it myself. It is about an American who travels to England to go to college and happens to be on the same dorm room hall as the Prince of England. And so then the rest of the story follows the relationship and all of the unique struggles that comes from dating somebody in the royal family. And there was kind of some small twists and turns to the storyline, and you don't really know quite how it's going to go. But it was a really good, lighthearted read. I I truly enjoyed it. And it was soon after that that I ended up watching the show The Royals on Amazon Prime and binged that. And there was a lot of similarities there. The Royals is definitely a lot more scandalous <laughs> than The Royal We. But still, I felt like they were kind of 
in a bit in the same genre. And it really ended up being just a good, let's just distract myself. Let's not get into anything too heavy type of book. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. I have recommended that one to so many people. I read it at the in the fall of 2015. Thought it was so charming, so delightful. Anytime somebody's like, I need a quick, lighthearted read, I always recommend that one. It is fantastic. So I have to say that I did terribly this year in reading fiction. I am always, I'm just geared towards nonfiction. I read a lot of nonfiction. So um, I don't have any good recommendations fiction-wise. I talked about a few on the show, notably Bellwether Rhapsody by Kate Reculia, which I thought was fantastic, superb. Um, but nonfiction-wise, a book I have not talked about, but actually made a pretty big impact on my year. It's a book that came out in May by a man named Chris Voss, and he wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He is a former FBI hostage negotiator turned business consultant. So what he does is he takes the principles and the, the, the knowledge and the wisdom that he gained about humans and how we communicate, the things that he learned about negotiating these really tense, like life and death hostage situations as uh, working for the FBI. He translates it into how that works out in business. So Kyle, my husband, actually picked up this book, read it, and he was like, you have to read this book. It's amazing. And he doesn't usually give really like enthusiastic recommendations of anything. So I picked it up and read it. It really is so good. It's not just about business. It's really about how, well, Chris Voss's philosophy is that all of life is a series of negotiations. And when we learn how to better communicate what we want out of a situation and how we can better listen to the people we're talking to and how to respond to them better, particularly in tense situations, that we can come away from these conversations and come out of these circumstances with everybody feeling like they got what they wanted out of the situation. So it's really fantastic. It's a fast read, nonfiction. He weaves in a lot of interesting stories from when he was a, a hostage negotiator and then like kind of shows the parallels of how this plays out in business. I don't know. It's really great. Chris Voss's Never Split the Difference. I do have to say, I'm going to say this publicly so that I can hold myself accountable to it. Last year, I intended to do Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge. I made it like one book in and I gave up on it. So Book Riot puts out a list every year, a Read Harder Challenge that really is inspired by pushing people out of their normal reading patterns, gets them to look outside of the genres they usually read in. So I am doing Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge 2017. I would love to hear if any of you awesomes are going to do it as well. It will make me read a lot more fiction. I know that for sure. And I can't wait to report back on how that goes at the end of 2017. All right. We aren't always listening and reading. Sometimes we are actually taking the time to watch a few things. Kelly, I know this is not your biggest area of the way you spend your time in your life, but was there anything notable that you watched this year that you want to talk about? Well, there were a couple of things, but you're right. This is the area where I always feel the weakest. Like people are like, girl, really? That's what you're watching? <laughs> so what I've been watching this year, and truly, you guys, if you have not watched this sitcom yet, Parks and Rec will make your entire year. So I have been savoring it now because I'm getting close to the end of what they have on Netflix anyway. And so it is so funny. And the characters are so delightful and so perfectly themselves 
that has been what I look forward to. It is a great treat for me at this point, especially into the show, you know, knowing that I like it, knowing that I'm going to get to laugh, knowing that I like the characters, that sort of thing. Um, I did back in the spring watch the second season of Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, okay. I love Kimmy. So if anybody hasn't watched that yet or my fellow people, I know that we were all excited. Has anybody, I don't even know if there's going to be a season three. Has Netflix said? I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't heard that one. The other one that I'm watching right now, and I really probably should have saved it for January to fill the Downton Abbey hole that will be there in 2017 is The Crown Mm -hmm. on Netflix. And I know a lot of people are watching that right now. Um, My daughter has started to watch it with me. So it, it kind of... I think is like a very staid The Royals because I read The Royal We too, Rebecca, and I really love that show. But, you know, just getting into that whole like this is the real history of the real royal family um, is just very fascinating. It's very well done. I'm only a few episodes in, so I can't speak to the whole thing. But those are the things that I've been watching right now when I am watching. And I do feel like I need to follow up my watch from last year. If people remember that what I was watching was Days of Our Lives. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Maybe you don't remember. Maybe that like got blacked out of your memory. But I didn't watch it as much this year. So I can't even say like it's just one of those things that goes in and out of my life. You know, you you kind of get into it for a little while and then you're like, yeah, now we've jumped the shark. Like everybody's getting killed in a mass murder and yet three people have come back to life and I'm done. I'm just done. So... (laughs) I, I am starting to watch it a little bit right again right now because it's the middle of winter and I go to the gym more just to do the treadmill. Um, that's what I need to do for my brain chemistry in the winter. And so if I'm going to be on the treadmill anyway, watching a program like that is just great candy to make me forget that I'm just on a treadmill for 45 minutes. So Got it. watching it a little bit, but for the most part, I'm not really watching Days of Our Lives right now. Okay, good. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that update. Uh, Rebecca, watching What has been good to you in 2016? When I thought back to 2016, there was this continuous theme that I noticed that I have been watching a lot of YouTube videos of people who are very different from me. Okay. And I don't know why other than it's just the fascination of a peek into somebody's very different life. So I'm talking like what I ate today by raw vegan diets. Do you know those people eat like 10 bananas for like one meal? Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's like fascinating. I watched a YouTube video of somebody who was telling like all of their tattoo stories and she had like one completely solid black arm. I mean, these people are very different from me and I just eat it all up. I can't help it. But the biggest one I have been watching again and again is Nikki Tutorials. You guys, she's a makeup guru. <laughs> this is a little out of your usual yeah, realm. Have you seen my face? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's from the Netherlands. She's in her 20s. She is a full-blown professional makeup artist, and she has 6 million subscribers on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. And then there is me. I have never filled in my eyebrows. I have never contoured or highlighted. I learned from Nikki what it means to bake your face. I've never used false eyelashes. I mean, we could not be (laughs) any different. And for some reason, I keep watching her. I first found her from her video. It was um, 
full face makeup challenge using only kids makeup. So she got like literally the stuff that you buy like at Claire's for your, I don't know, your seven year old or something and just did this whole shebang on her face and looked fantastic. But you guys, her makeup is so intense, (laughs) so completely opposite of me in every single way. So I've really been enjoying her. I do have to say every once in a while, she'll throw in a little bit of bad language in one of her videos. That's just a warning to you. I have watched many, many, many of her videos where she doesn't use any bad language at all. But then every once in a while, she will slip something in. So if that's a problem for you or you want to uh, censor that for your kids in the house or your teenagers, you might want to have that in mind. You know, Rebecca, I always forget about YouTube and you always have the best YouTube recommendations. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. So great. Yeah. So you'll have to check out Nikki Tutorials. She is a lot of fun. So great. Laura, in watching this year, anything that stood out to you as a favorite? Well, funnily enough, the two best things I watched this year were about O.J. Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) It was was a fascinating year for O.J. Simpson material. It really was. There was really a lot of O.J. Simpson happening. And I I was never super into this case in the first place. And I definitely didn't think that I wanted to watch every single minutiae detail of O.J. Simpson's the murder that happened to his ex-wife and then his trial, but I really got into both of these things. They're totally worth watching. There is the scripted version called The People versus O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story, which is absolutely excellent. It deserves the awards that it's up for this award season. It's really, really good. But even better was actually the, I think it's a four or five part documentary series called O.J. Simpson Made in America. I watched this after the scripted version and I didn't even want to start it because I was like, I am done with OJ. But Jeff wanted to start it and we started it and we were both like, what? This is amazing. Because the documentary is um, not just about the case. The documentary is kind of about what was happening in Los Angeles at the time, what was happening in America, race relations at the time. This is sort of post-Rodney King and some other things. They really put in context maybe where the jury was coming from eventually in the Simpson case, um, kind of what the national temperature was, which I was a teenager, so I wouldn't have been aware of any of those things. So watching the documentary that makes it into a bigger picture story of why this case went the way it did and why it matters still. Uh, it's really, really well done. And so I even I recommend that one even above the scripted. But the script one's kind of, I don't want to say fun because the subject matter is so terrible, but it, it's um, more of entertainment side. And the documentary is like, you will learn something about our country watching that. Yes, both very, very excellent series from 2016. Um, for me, notably in this category, um, I thought House of Cards season four was excellent. It had kind of... Um, Some of the energy had petered out of it, I feel like, over the third season, but season four is fantastic. I talked about on the show, I loved Stranger Things, love, love, loved it. Um, I finally watched the final season of The Good Wife. I have a lot of big feelings about that to talk out. I'm kind of still thinking about it. So I, I enjoyed the way that wrapped up, although there were some surprises. But my two very favorite things could not be more opposite, because on the one hand, like Kelly, The Crown was one of my very favorites of 2016. It's beautiful. It's elegant. It's refined. 
It was so thought-provoking, and it really stayed with me for days. I was so sad when those 10 episodes, those 10 beautiful episodes were over. I'm still thinking about it. But on the complete other end of the spectrum, a series wrapped up that uh, that I'm still thinking about, and that was the final season of True Blood, which <laughs> actually didn't even come out this year. I think it came out maybe in 2014. I almost didn't watch it. I've talked about True Blood being one of my guiltiest of guilty pleasures because it's so bad. It's so wrong that I had watched it from the beginning. I didn't even finish season six because it had gotten so incredibly stupid that I just I couldn't even force myself to watch the whole season six. But I was compelled to go back and finish the last season. I'm so glad that I did because the writers did some really cool things where they told some backstory about characters that were so surprising and made so much sense. They wrapped up a million storylines. One of the biggest criticisms of True Blood through the years is that it always had way, way, way too many plot lines to keep up with and I just couldn't manage all of it. But the writers in the last season really brought a lot of those storylines to a very satisfying conclusion. So my two favorites could not be more opposite this year, The Crown and True Blood Season 7, but they were highly entertaining for me all the same. So we talk about food and drink and recipes and what we are into um, in that realm so much on Sort of Awesome that we would be remiss if we didn't take just a minute to talk about some of our favorite in the food and drink and dining category in 2016. Kelly, you're a queen of recipes and great cooking around here. Did you have a favorite that stood out to you in this category in 2016? You know, when I looked back at 2016, one of the things that I really realized, it kind of crystallized for me, is that we rarely go out to eat anymore. And part of that is because we have four kids and the two oldest are getting older. They eat a lot. So it's just so expensive. But also because no one wants to wait. There's always whining. You know, you spend so much money and you're like, and this was a grit your teeth and get through it sort of experience. So when I look back at 2016, I'm like, wow, we ate a lot at home. And two things stood out to me. One was my husband was gone a lot, which he usually is. I actually counted. He was gone 135 days this year. Um, I relied heavily this year on my crock pot. Um, I have never been a big slow cooker person, but this year, because my husband was gone and because we were eating at home so much, I really started to cook a lot with it, even in the summer, where before, again, it was kind of this wintry thing to me, like for soups and stews. I would just find some recipe where I could put a big hunk of meat in there and let it cook all day, and then dinner was ready. And that has become my go-to. And I'm still experimenting with new recipes, looking for new things with it. But for sure, of course, the chicken tacos that we've talked about forever on this show, um, making those. But like, I have a new sloppy Joe recipe that's super easy and can is great in the slow cooker, you know, pulled pork, chili, whatever it would be. All of this stuff was so easy for me to put in the crock pot and then have ready for my kids, whether my husband was here or not. That's really what I've been doing in the kitchen this year, just finding ways to cook for my family if we're going to eat at home that are A, both easy for me and B, taste really good and easy for the kids to eat. Sounds great. I totally get that on the dining out versus eating in. Rebecca, I would love to hear from you, you know, going through the the majority of your pregnancy in 2016. Sometimes that can have a big influence on what you're eating or drinking. So were there any standouts to you in 2016? Yes, you're totally right. My year was pretty much dominated by pregnancy and thoughts of food and wanting to throw up thinking about food or feeling like I need food or I will throw up. (laughs) Um, So my food and drink isn't very exciting, but it was very, very 
important this year. And the first one would be baked potatoes with butter and sour cream. Totally saw me through my first trimester. I ate them a lot. I thought about them even more than I was eating them and wishing that they would magically appear at my bedside at like 10 p.m. <laughs> and also now here later in my pregnancy, drinking red raspberry leaf tea. Mm, yeah. Which is... Um, kind of a natural crunchy type of thing that you can drink that is supposed to promote a healthy uterus and basically giving your uterus some extra strength so that those contractions when they hit they could be even more effective um i will say of course you know if that interests you you should definitely talk to your doctor about it before drinking it there are also different time frames when it's more recommended to drink it and less recommended that you drink it in your pregnancy. But that's what I have been drinking on a fairly regular basis here these days. And it's not very exciting, but my goodness, that is that is what is consuming me. <laughs> that's what I'm consuming. And what you're consuming say. as well. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. Okay, Laura, how about you? One of my goals for 2016 was to explore my city better. I feel like we live in this amazing city and do not take advantage of all that it offers. We kind of stay in our neighborhood as much as possible. And I didn't want to do that so much anymore now that the kids are getting bigger and, and it's less of a hassle to get out and about. So one of the ways that my family sort of approached this, Jeff and I particularly on date nights, was we took Jonathan Gold's top restaurants in LA list that he writes for the LA Times every year. And we picked, um, it's a top 100 list, but we kind of went off the top probably 20 or 30 and picked the ones that appealed to us the most and have been trying to knock some of those off and try new places. And that has been a really fun thing to do, A, just as kind of like a thing that we do together and B, just to try new places, see new neighborhoods that we wouldn't otherwise um, try a different type of food. I'm not super, super adventurous in my eating habits, but I've gotten a lot better just by trying new things. Ha, huh, what we teach our kids actually works <laughs> for adults. Um, so uh, some of the standouts from that list and from this year were Republique, which is a really good brunch place in West Hollywood on La Brea, Bestia, which is kind of... Uh, one of the hot places right now. It's in downtown Los Angeles. And um, a little tiny hole in the wall called Night Market Song in Silver Lake that is Thai food. And when you walk in, you're like, I can't believe this place is on a top anything list because it just seems like this little small thing. And then the food is absolutely excellent. So we've made repeat visits to that one. But Anyway, it's fun. We're going to do it again for 2017 because we've really just enjoyed it. I like that a lot. I sure do. Okay, for me, this is not going to be revolutionary to anybody, but I've really made an effort this year to drink more hot tea. I've always wanted to be one of those refined and elegant hot tea drinkers, but I keep going back to my coffee and Diet Coke addictions. But this year, I've really tried a couple that I have to recommend. First of all, one that I even sipped on during the summer, which doesn't seem like uh, it's, a, it's a time to drink hot tea at all. But again, just trying to drink less Diet Coke. I found this tea from Numi Organic Teas, and it's called Dry Desert Lime. And it's a totally herbal tea, no caffeine at all. And it's really nice and tart, and I love tart drinks. And so Dry Desert Lime from Numi Organic Teas has been um, a big hit from 2016. Then also my friend Lee Kramer, who's been on the show a couple of times, 
told me if I was going to drink a, a cinnamon tea that I should check out Harney and Sons Hot Cinnamon Spice Tea. Everybody raves about it. I tried it. The raves are absolutely on point. It is fantastic. It's so good. It's like the perfect cinnamon. It's not... um. It's not overly sweet, but it's also not bitter. They somehow have found the perfect way to present cinnamon in tea form. I've heard so many people talk about this being one of their favorite teas and having finally tried it, I have to add to the chorus of praise for Harney and Sons hot cinnamon spice tea. Perfect for fall and winter as well. So we're going to have to go ahead and wrap things up. One quick programming note. This is the last time we're going to hear from our beloved Rebecca for a while, because as she mentioned, she is expecting a baby any day. So she's going to go on a maternity break for a while and enjoy all of those wonderful newborn weeks. So just know that we have some fun guests coming in to do a little fill in while Rebecca's on break. And you can expect to hear from some new voices that we've never heard from before on Sorta Awesome in 2017. So I know lots of you want to share your favorites from 2016 and talk about some of the favorites that we have shared today. Let's remind everybody where we can find you guys all around the web. Kelly, how about you? On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Kelly at Lovewell. And on Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash Lovewell blog. Okay. And Rebecca? You can find me at simplyrebecca.com. And then I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at simplyrebecca. Okay. And Laura? I'm Laura Tremaine on Twitter and Laura.Tremaine on Instagram. Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. You can always find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. From the Sorta Awesome team, we hope that you're having a wonderful holiday season. We wish you all the best for 2017. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffert, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome.